Hello and welcome to Conversations on Karate. I'm Sue. I'm Greg. I'm Joe. You... Oh, yes. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Go on, Ken. Introduce yourself properly. <laughs> yep. Nope. Ken. This is Ken. Just and, Ken. And Joe. Hello. Joe Andrews and... Ken Knight from Kenfu TV. Everyone the looking twins. completely wonderful. We've got beards and everything. It's great. Mm. How are you all? Right. How are you doing, Ken? Tell us yeah. about you. Excellent. Absolutely excellent. Just, I don't know, I'll sleep soon. But otherwise, great day. Just recorded another video. That'll go up in a handful of hours. And got a busy day tomorrow with all kinds of fun projects. And then some collie in the evening. And yeah, just good. Nice. Yeah. It's Monday. I forgot it's Monday. That's my Ken Fu day. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Love that, it. That's the day where I, I kind of just stick your YouTube channel on and when I'm doing stuff around the house. Perfect. Mm. I love that. Happy Ken Fu Monday. Happy Ken you can Fu just day. Hear me drone on while you while you drone no, on. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I love it. And good. Joe Andrews, how are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. I'm I'm up and about, ready to start the day. Already at work, I can see. Already at work, yeah. I got a client in an hour. I got a client about an hour after that on on what's said to be the hottest day of the year, possibly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The hottest day of all time. The hottest day of all time in this. Yeah, day. It's gonna be. It Ever. is. It is. It's supposed it's to be like a like a record. Yeah. It's the first. Yeah, the first ever red warning. Ooh. By the Met Office. Yeah. So Amazing. stay inside. Yeah. It's like COVID time. Stay inside. Don't go to work. And meanwhile, you're about to work hard here in like an hour. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's hot. You're just supposed to lay out on a rock or something. That's what lizards yeah, exactly. do. Exactly. Right? Sit in a pool. Do <laughs> nothing. <clears throat> do absolutely well, nothing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to do nothing. Are you going to do nothing today, Greg? No. <laughs> I've got things to do and then I've got jiu-jitsu at half twelve that's going to be hot in the yeah, heat yeah, you're in not going to be cool today no. be alright you're not, you're not going to be cool today be okay it will be Yeah. so Ken, you just, just as we were coming on you were saying um, you're doing some Kali you've been doing some Kali tell us how your Kali's coming on what are you doing oh. with Kali you know um, it's coming down great. I have a really great group of people coming together. We worked a bunch of footwork on Saturday. Um, got some requests for, for what we call the ABCs, the Abecedario, on Monday. So today we'll do some, some fundamental stuff. Had some requests for that. But that's nah, been good. We just have a good, solid group that's been coming really consistently. And and as you guys all know, the more, more consistently people come, the easier it is to, to work on stuff and build up on things. That sounds great. Um, we've been we we said that we would like to come and do some with you, and we still yeah. haven't managed to actually make that time. But uh, no, yeah. we'll do it. We need to we need to make it. Scheduling is hard with such a time difference, but we're gonna make it happen. Mm. Yeah, we'll do it. We're looking we forward will. to it. We will. Yeah. We need to and do it. We do need to do it. I've been looking at um, you know, whenever I see videos of you doing it, I'm like, oh, I want to get on and do that. Yeah. 
You'd love it. I think you'd love it, especially because you've been doing Kubuto, right? Um, or have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and I I do love I do love it. Teco and Nunchucker and Bo. Yeah, perfect. Right. Tecos and uh, and Nunchaku go very handily into a scream. Bo does too. Um, the Nunchaku in in Filipino is the Tabaktoyuk, and it's used the same way. And super super fun to do. The Tecos are just nasty. Kali has a lot of like limb destruction stuff where you hit me and I'll just like rake your biceps and things. And the Tecos are just a nasty way to do that. Mm. Nothing like some horse stirrups to start your day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they are nasty. (laughs) Nothing like horse stirrups to start your day. I love that. (laughs) That's the title for the episode right there. (laughs) Horse stirrups to start your day. Yeah, very good. Yes. Right. Let us know, listeners. Do you also use horse stirrups to start your day? <laughs> <laughs> so, Greg and Joe, do you guys do? Now, Joe, I've seen you do the bow, so you do some some weapon stuff, yeah? Yeah. So, um, in my old club, we did a lot of um, traditional uh, bow trainings. We did the, the typical, the drills, the kata. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did do some combative stuff as well because we used proper red oak bows, um, and I did tai chi for about 13 years and we did we used the um yeah we used a tai chi sword which is the the slicing as opposed to the stabbing and the so it was it was was a a lot more of a graceful weapon to work with and i still i still practice and teach them yeah love 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 the bow love training in the bow especially um all of the sort of mobility drills like some of the stuff i put on our channel just just to get the shoulders yeah. in and hand-eye coordination, and it was it was saving grace over the pandemic when we weren't oh, allowed shit. we weren't allowed to train together. We couldn't do kumite, we couldn't do bunkai or sparring. So, oh yeah, need was, a six foot was, distance, bring a six foot stick. That's it. There you go. That's <laughs> it. Had, I, I managed to get in because martial arts weaponry was really hard to get hold of over the pandemic because everyone had the same idea so we managed to quit very quickly get online and get some get some bows oh, and, good and um headed outside which we had to anyway so it was perfect absolutely perfect opportunity to do some bow training and if any if anyone's never tried it i strongly suggest go get yourself one i think they're probably about 30 pounds to get hold of Get outside, have some fun, throw it around, hit yourself on the head, crack some knuckles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> drop it a bunch, pick it up a bunch. Yeah, wear wear, <laughs> wear shoes. <laughs> is is my strong advice. <laughs> shoes. I've, I've I haven't tried any other weaponry, so I must I must admit, I must I'm interested in trying other stuff. What would you There's be interested in? Yeah, what would you what would you be interested in going for next, Joe? I think these screamer sticks are quite interesting. I think I like the idea of, I was only talking about this with a student the other day when doing the bow, I said, I like the idea that if somebody broke my bow that I could carry on fighting. Yeah. So that'd be like part two of my training. Yeah. Yeah. In Japanese, they call that the tambo, ni tambo, two, two short sticks. Hmm. And so you got your bow and then your, then your two short sticks when it breaks and one ends jabby, right? You just, Poke there you go. That jabby end. Stick There's my next pointy end. My next venture. 
Get, give him some splinters. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. So you're going to take up a screamer then, Joe? Or you'd like to? It sounds like I am. It sounds like you are. Absolutely. Yeah. You'll, you'll have to Love join it. us when we train with Ken. I will yeah, always definitely. join you when you train with Ken. There we go. Yes. Oh, Let's do it. Amazing. Amazing. That's all of us. Yeah, all of us. Two tremendous beards and two others. <laughs> two others without tremendous beards. Greg, I think I've asked this before. Why do you grow a beard? Why? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I think I've asked you. I can't remember. Because this side will be pretty empty. This side. Just one side. Obvious. So all go around, two face. Still about here. And then there'll be a gap. That could be a look. So, yeah. It's just it's it's like again. nobody else has that look. That should just be a look. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> just own it. That's right. Just own That's it. right. Yeah. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it's me. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, Maybe yeah, you no. should. Maybe it's the new thing, the one-sided beard. The one-sided beard. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Just say, right, you I'll know, one, this one time, Sue caught me with a hook so hard, I could never grow a beard again on that part of my face. <gasps> yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's it. You hit me with a techo. You hear me with the horse? <laughs> <too>. <laughs> yeah. It severed the nerve. So no hair would grow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sorry Very about good. that. Sorry about that. I'll see, I'll see. I'll see what happens. Let's do. See what happens. So, Ken, what's, uh, what have you been doing lately? What's your focus been? What's your training been looking like? So, um, you know, karate, I'm still kind of reworking our curriculum i came to a realization recently it was actually kind of a hard realization for me um, I, I like to think and i've been told that i'm a pretty good teacher and but i'm realizing that the way that i was taught and the way that i teach are very uh teacher to student style so uh, very, you know, and, I, and I've always really liked the idea of individualistic training and this kind of stuff, but uh, I'm realizing that by coming in and having my training, the way I teach people be based entirely on what I see, what I think people need to work on, where I think we're going, all of this, that I realize that I haven't necessarily made it easy for the people coming up underneath me to take over. If they don't, if they're not bent the same way, and admittedly, I am very passionate is a, is probably the the nicest way of saying it. I'm you know I'm a huge nerd when it comes to this stuff. So I'm constantly digging, thinking, working through everything. You know, but if you got a student who's really good who doesn't have that same passion, but still certainly has enough knowledge to pass on to someone, mm. uh, if you teach the way that I do, you're not necessarily preparing someone who's not constantly thinking about it to know how to go into a class and to teach one. And to pick what's being worked on and and do that kind of stuff and so i've been trying to relook at the curriculum and codify it more um working with or going to be working with a uh a friend of mine from seosho and rue my first karate style who his background his education background is in education so nice. we want to work together on kind of building it from the way a education teacher would would put together this stuff and mm hopefully be able to kind of structure something to where anybody can pick up and teach you know you're still going to be able to pass on those individual things but the i like all the noise the, the, the i was gonna say it. It. <laughs> can, you, can you hear it 
Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's CrossFit downstairs. They they decided to make an absolute racket this morning. They were they were here oh, before sure. I was. Oh dang. So apologies. It's early over there. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they they've been here since about quarter to six this morning. Wow. They're insane. They're insane. So but apologies for the. <laughs> they are just in general, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean that's been that's been kind of kind of my focus. I I know where I want people to go. I know why I want what I want to see. And if you have people who pick up and take that and are hungry for it it's really easy to work with that and if you've got a um a rich enough background and understanding of of how to teach people then that's not too big of a deal but if you want people underneath you to continue to do that when you're gone or or when you're not there then the the structure needs to make sense and my classes never have my my teachers never did whatever you felt like working on that night whatever it felt like we needed, whatever we felt like he needed. You know, sometimes he'd come in and just have something he wanted to work on, and that's what you worked on. Mm. And sometimes it was what, you know, he felt like the class needed to work on. Sometimes it was what individuals need to work on. But that's not a very structured and organized way to do it. Yeah. And so I'm trying to spend some some effort into doing that. Nice. That's really interesting that you say that because mm. you... And like you say that you've structured it in such a way that it makes perfect sense for you to understand your students 100% and how that, so yeah, for somebody coming up under you without all that depth, they're not going yeah, to be can, able to continue. It can seem like a burden. Way. It can seem overwhelming. Yeah, and I can see and go, that. And I, and I have a student who's, who kind of has that going, you know, has a lot of other stuff going on. And if she's got to cover class, uh, you know, to be able to look at the class and go, okay, dang, uh, what are we going to do tonight? Yeah. And it doesn't take me long to figure out what we're doing, but if that's, it's just not been built that way. It's yeah. been built in a way that works that way. That's really interesting. So you're just, you're just having this realization now and starting to think about how you're going to go forward with it. Yeah, that's, that's literally within like the last week or two. Uh, wow. It's been on my mind because, and we had this conversation, and it was a really great conversation because it. I mean, I think it's going to be very helpful for me to look at it at a different view. You know, I think mm. of, I, I kind of term the the way that I was taught and the way that I teach, as maybe maybe kind of how it maybe used to be, with where you, a teacher had a student or two and they just worked with them and they gave them what they needed and one next to the other might not be same and you were just there to learn from that teacher, but yeah. Yeah. When you're running a school, you don't learn from the teacher. You know, you learn from the school. You learn from the whole structure of the school. And I've always taught it from a perspective of just a single person. So if I'm not there, uh, it, you know, doesn't work the same way. Mm. Mm. Which can be a burden to the teacher, too, because then it means I have to always be there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting thought, isn't it? What's best for the... The continuance of the whole group and the club. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear how how that one starts to unravel itself. Yeah, you know, and I've been inspired by looking at the way that you guys, uh, Greg and Joe, the way you guys work through your curriculum. I've been looking at that as a reference too, of kind of getting ideas and stuff. Because I thought you guys did an excellent job with the way you shaped that out. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it took a while took a long while many yeah, many quick many thing. breakfasts many breakfasts i think it has to be done over food i think that's the only way yeah, absolutely yeah of course yeah. it's the only way to do anything 
yeah. And then my other focus right now is just uh, the jujitsu thing. Um, you know, really kind of focusing on on that too. Um, and then obviously kind of posted a video the other day working on testing for my blue belt. And so there's just a whole lot of stuff that I've got to focus on to do. So that's kind of been my focus of my training right now is kind of the karate, figuring out how the curriculum needs to work to kind of shape. And then my own personal training is pretty focused on jujitsu right now, almost mm. exclusively. Uh, it, I should say, when I train with my instructor, we're training Kabuto. We're training uh, Mariyoshi Kobudo. Uh, so some... Kubudo and some jujitsu. Nice. <laughs> sounds like a murder is going on over there. It really does. Maybe a murder is being committed. It could yeah. have. And Joe's just sat upstairs with his headphones on. <laughs> we recorded the whole thing, officer. <laughs> yeah. We... <laughs> this was the moment. We could tell because this happened and then it got really quiet. <laughs> God. I think I think we picked the morning that they. I think they're doing Olympic bar work downstairs. <laughs> you want to go and tell them to shut up? Just go down there and be like, "Oi!" I, I don't know whether me going in my van is going to make a difference. No, no, no. You stay right where you are. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. adding atmosphere. It's adding That's atmosphere. Right. Everyone now listening is thinking that they're listening to this while a murder is being committed. Mm-hmm. They, haven't, they haven't started playing music yet. <laughs> oh yeah, good point. We might get copyright for that. That's right. <laughs> I'm sure we won't. I'm sure we won't be in the background, and there won't be anything we can do about it anyway. Just, just put, just put me on mute. I'll be all right. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. So your, uh, your journey to blue belt. I watched your video. I really enjoyed that. And you, oh, cool. you the so you train under Rick Ellis. Yes, sort of. Uh, so sort I started of. to. Are you so grading kind of, him? That's uh, also sort of. So he oh, okay. moved recently. He moved to California. Um, he's going to be visiting, but then he's got. In fact, the first video I did with Rick, there was another guy there named Devin Henry, and he's of Black Label Jiu Jitsu in Cheyenne. Uh, so when I reached out to Roy, because uh, part of it is I want to. In fact, the the main motivation right now for doing it is I I want to get the school affiliated so that we can tap into the resources of, of the other groups and that kind of stuff and and have same thing, a structured curriculum that we can work off of and that sort of thing. And the first requirement is I need to have some kind of rank. So he said, well, how close are you to that? And let's get it done. And that kind of started it. So when, I, when we kind of figured that out, he said, okay, well then reach out to Devin Henry. He's a brown belt nearby. He's kind of the highest ranked, closest person to me. And he said, you know, you've worked with Rick. Um, you know, you're working on this stuff. Go, go work with him and and get tested. Let's do it. So nice. So kind of working with Rick when I can, but just shy after starting to train with him, he moved to California, and that became a lot more difficult. Mm. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Yeah. But Devin's great. Uh, we've got other people nearby, like one of Rick's. Like Rick's school didn't close. Another guy took it over. Um, who was his? I think he's a brown belt. I haven't met him yet. Um, he was a purple at the time. I think he's a brown belt now. Uh, and then we've got another another guy in Saratoga, Wyoming. So we've got Laramie, Laramie, Wyoming, Saratoga, Wyoming, Cheyenne, Wyoming. And so I've got people kind of around that I can work with. Um, nice. And and that's kind of what I'm doing. Awesome. Oh, that's amazing. And are you gonna are you gonna film your your demonstration? 
Definitely yes. Awesome. Uh, hoping it's not embarrassing to do so, but yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it won't be. I'm sure it won't be. <laughs> I just that was one of the things that I fell in love with with Roy Dean's jiu-jitsu was the way they presented it, uh, both in how they do it, the, do the demonstrations, do the testing, but also in the fact that they just film everything and put it out there. Um, and I love that too. And it's just beautiful. It's not just stuffed a, a phone in the corner like they they film it oh, really it's amazing, well and it yeah. looks really good. Yeah, and... Roy's channel's become like just a resource for me lately it's yeah pretty... roy's and rick's are just both excellent um and then the school that that they're that they train out of uh it's cvbjj uh charlie victor bravo juliet juliet um it's a california like california valley brazilian jiu-jitsu or something like that it's the it's where their school is and tons and tons, if you haven't looked at that, there's tons of great content on that one as well, which is going to be a lot of Roy Dean, Rick Ellis, and others. Nice. Yeah. Mm. So Blue Belt is an the interesting, next step. Blue Belt is the next step. And that's been an interesting thing. I've been doing jiu-jitsu for maybe 10 years. Mm. Uh, been specific, and, and just like introduced to it, it was like a supplement to our karate. Mm. You know, we always did karate and kabuto. And then when my instructor started training the groundwork, it was, we should have groundwork. It's kind of adds the trifecta, right? It adds that third thing. We've got weapons in range. We've got empty hand. And now we've got the ground. And it was always supplemental. And eventually kind of decided that it just needed its own night. We needed to, there's enough of it that we needed to kind of be more focused on it. Um, and that's only been within the last maybe five years. And a lot of it has for me been kind of self-taught because our instructor was in Canada and we couldn't work with him. So we'd have little bits and pieces and work on it. And, you know, I can tell you that's not the way to do it. It's, it's absolutely not the way to do it to, to, it was a humbling and eye opening moment when I first went to train with Rick to have him just kind of assess where I was at and just to realize that 10 years later, I'm still a white belt. Mm. I, you know, that's, that's a humbling experience. Mm. And, and and it's just spotty, right? There are things that that I know, I know plenty, I can do plenty, but there's just holes everywhere because I didn't have instruction, I didn't have guidance. So yeah. you you get good at certain things, you totally skip over other things, and you know. So in some areas, it feels like I'm further along than I need to be. In other areas, it feels like I've I've never seen the most fundamental stuff. And that's not the way to do it. That's not the way to learn jujitsu. And that's not what I want because I teach it, you know, I, well, I should say I share it, right? And I teach it as best I can for what I have. Uh, but because I have people trying to learn it from me, my effort has been to try to develop resources and develop some sort of understanding of how to best do that in a way that's mm -hmm. not the way that I did it, because the way that I did it is inefficient and not good. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. It's good that you, it's good that you realize that, though. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not the thing to self-teach. That's for no. sure. And I, I, arguably, I'd say that nothing is. You know, like well, true. Yeah. You need guidance. You know, you don't know. You just don't know what you don't know. And there's just no way around that than to be around mm. somebody who knows the things you don't know. Yeah. You do need that person watching and and picking you up on all the points that you've got absolutely no idea are there. You know, mm -hmm. you, you've you know whether it's jujitsu or karate or what have you, you need somebody there 
um, when you're doing something to say, why are you flapping your arm around behind you when you're going in for that? That, <laughs> right. that, that you no idea it's happening until you actually have somebody there, you know, picking you up on it. And yeah, the very small amount of groundwork that we've been doing in class. God, it's hard work. So detailed. Joe's mm. nodding, nodding away like mad there. It is. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, it's it, it's it's a shame that I've had to take a little break away from jujitsu because I've had a couple of injuries. But yeah, jujitsu has made a is made so much direction with with my with my training. Not just I know I know that we talked recently about goals. I know you guys talking yesterday about goals for this year, and I want one of my major um, things I wanted to achieve this year was to push Somerset Applied Karate get and show recognition and have people take what we do seriously and i knew that uh including jujitsu in our syllabus even to a basic extent was gonna was gonna help our students it was gonna help people realize that we were that we're not just some karate organization in the corner of the country and try and push karate forwards which is something I know that Greg and I have talked about a lot recently. We've talked a lot about trying to get, trying to change people's perceptions of what karate is. And jujitsu is playing a very big, very integral role in that, actually. More more so than I thought it would. What do you think have been some, like some of the biggest hurdles that you've ran into trying to reshape from, because you guys started off Shotokan, right? Yeah. Um, and moving from a very traditional Shotokan karate to the applied karate, like what are what are some of the biggest things that you ran into that that you feel like were eye opening or just kind of things that you struggled with as you made those changes? It, I, for me, it was trying to detach myself from the things that I was taught that was either misconstrued or what I could quite frankly say was wrong or a, a system based on a misunderstanding. Um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, That's I'm a quite, great I'm, quote, by the way. Yes. A system based on a misunderstanding. I love that. I love that too. So it's I, true. I, 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 yeah. I'd, I'd hate to kind of, I'd hate to make it sort of like a formal announcement, but I am, I am detaching myself almost entirely from Shotokan. I don't believe in the institution anymore having done it for 24 years i it, the the institution of not karate shotokan specifically right i i having trained in the bca and training with these guys where we've been told stuff like you know it doesn't matter what style you do we're all here for the same reason yeah yeah, yeah I've, I've heard that for years and fully bought into that but to get to the point where well, actually what Shotokan represented uh, I could no longer support it especially if I'm trying to push karate into the future so me and Greg have talked a lot about not just Somerset applied karate but karate what, how, are we, how are we going to are we going to leave karate behind and do something else or are we going to take karate move mm -hmm. it forwards change people's perception of what karate is and it doesn't matter what field, whether you're talking about the general public, or whether you're talking about the martial arts world, or even uh, the um, ultimate fighting world, 
you know, karate is the is the laughing stock. Right. And it and it's so frustrating. And I think I I know why it is, because I used to do that stuff. And I used to be told that it was a self-defense system. It was a fighting system. And it was, it was just either, either they were lying or they didn't know any better. I think it's the latter. Yeah, I, I I think think so too. Mm. I think, I think when a teacher teaches a student, then they become a teacher and they teach students and they become a teacher and so on. It's just, no one's adding anything. And I think that's why I don't believe in the Shotokan um, institution anymore. And I guess I'm talking about other styles as well, but I can only talk on behalf of Shotokan. But I think yeah. if, if yeah. you only ever know what your teacher knows, then their student is only going to know what they know. So no, nothing's right. added, nothing's progressed. And I was always taught the analogy of pushing a cart up a hill, that if you stop, then you're just going to, you're, you're not going to stay still. You you're actually going to backwards. keep it there. You can only go backwards. So that's what me and Greg are always upskilling we're always learning new stuff. We're always going to train with new people. So the smarter we get, the smarter our students get. Hmm. And the other, and the other major, major thing, which is something that I'm very passionate about, because I, what builds, what builds me as a teacher is not just taking the things I liked and moving it forwards and progressing it, but taking the things that I don't, I didn't like and shredding out. And one of the major things was that in in my old association. And in my old club, especially, I wasn't allowed to train with anybody else. Now that's uh, that's yeah. particularly that's particularly an issue with the the club I was in. My my teacher was, um, uh, it was many things. He, I think. He, <laughs> I, think uh, I mean, how much time you got? Um, so I don't, I don't know if it's clear. I don't. So just just to clarify, I I don't. I, I'm not. I'm, I don't talk to my te- my old teacher anymore. We're not on. We're not on good terms anymore. Um, few reasons, but main reasons, which is my point, is that I was only ever allowed to train with him. I wasn't allowed to train with anybody else, even if we were doing show again. As long as it was approved by him or approved by the association, then it was fine. Um, which actually was led to how we ended up sort of breaking off. And I never, ever wanted that for our students. So, so I, I could say to them, look, if there's someone you want to go and train with, by all means, go and do it. Please go and do it. Come back. If you, if you learn something that I don't know, come teach me. You know, that mm. teacher-student wall has, got, uh, has broken down. It has to, it has to break down. That, that's how we got to move things into the future. We have to, we have to work together. Instead of it being a one-way street, mm. Absolutely. and that—that's—that's that's certainly my passion. I know that I've spoke to Greg extensively about this and said this is what I want. I want students to understand that, although, although they can learn a lot from us, and the more that we learn, the more that they learn, they're only ever going to learn what we know. So if you're trained with us, you're going to be learning our curriculum our syllabus there's there's a whole world out there go go and train with people go and go and meet some people go and network that's what we're doing that's what we want our students to do i think that's i think that's the karate of the well it is the karate of the future it's actually being able to admit karate doesn't have all the answers yeah i think that's great i think that's really great i was thinking about that when you were talking about um 
you know, the, the doing it a certain way and not training other schools and stuff like that. Before you said it, I was already thinking about there's some some schools, some organizations like you just you're not allowed to question. You're not allowed to go train anywhere else. You're not allowed to try other things. You're, not allowed, you're just not allowed to do that stuff. And it's incredibly limiting, mm. um, especially if you happen to be in a a school or organization that is also led by a person and and i've seen these multiple times you know but led by a person who out of fear of being usurped they just they keep you held back because well they know that there's a finite amount of knowledge they have but they don't ever want you to get there because if they do then what will you need them for and the problem is then they just hold everybody back and nobody can succeed and but nobody knows that it's happening nobody knows and if you're not allowed to question there was a story that I heard that I thought was really funny, but it also stands out a lot for the traditional martial arts. And it was about, and I'm not a military guy, so I'm going to get parts of this wrong, but guys had to go there. Two people had to guard a bench. They'd stand next to this bench and they would guard the bench until they were relieved of duty for two other people to guard the bench. And the bench was guarded all day, every day. And eventually someone asked the question, like, why, are we guarding this bench? It's just a bench in the middle of the park. Like, what What are we doing? Or whatever, wherever it was. And they're like, I don't know. And so they went to find their superior, and their superior went, I don't know. And they went, well, what about this? And they kind of kept tracing it back till they found, kept working back to someone who was older, who'd been around when the bench went, and they finally found a guy, and they went and talked to him. And they said, well, why are we guarding this bench? And he said, what, is the paint still wet? And... <laughs> But the, but we but the truth is, and I love that story because the truth is we do that in the martial arts all the time. We protect what we were given without understanding, and and oftentimes it's discouraged to ask questions, or you're afraid. It's not encouraged to ask questions, and just by not encouraging it, that might be enough to make you fearful to ask because you don't want to look dumb. Mm. You just want to accept that it's right. You want to look good, so you don't want to say anything. And so you keep doing things that maybe never made sense or maybe only made sense at a certain time for a certain reason, but that reason doesn't make sense anymore. And if it doesn't make sense anymore, you got to reevaluate and determine, do we keep doing this or do we change it? But if you're not allowed to, or you're afraid to, then you'll just keep doing those things. Yeah. And I don't think the baby should go out with the bathwater either. I've looked at, there's a lot of different things that I've looked at, um, Seosho and Ru has a, a, it's kind of mixed background of Kyokushin, Shurokan, Wataru. And so it's got all kinds of different things that would be familiar with you guys. And there are certain things that I just was like, maybe we just get rid of that. You know, why, why do we do this? We could do something else. But then sometimes I catch myself thinking like how much of my ability to do what I'm able to do is because of this. And by throwing it away, I'm actually taking that away. You know, we can easily look after we've trained for 10 years or 20 years or whatever it is mm. that we can look at it and say, well, this is easy. It's not a big deal. This is we can just do this. Not remembering that there was a point when you couldn't and there was a way that you got there and you might not actually remember all of the things that took place to get you there. And if you don't remember all of that, then you can leave things out and the people behind you don't get where you got uh, or don't get near there because you left holes in their training just because you assumed it because it's it's fresh for you you get it 
you move certain ways, do certain things, and you don't think about them. Mm. And if you cut out the drills that helped you learn how to do them to begin with, and you didn't think to replace them with something, you know, that there's a, there's a fear for me in that too. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I like that. I like that. Let's, um, I want to, I want to ask you, Ken, we was, Joe was saying about the, the perception of karate. Yeah. And uh, you've done loads of different arts. How have you found the perception of, cause obviously I'm assuming you go in and you're known as the karate guy as I am. What, what, how do you find karate is perceived by the other arts that you train in? You know, I do find that sharing karate is an uphill battle. Uh, you, I, I probably over explain some things sometimes when I want to expose it to people because I feel like the first hurdle I have to give people is that it's not a bouncing up and down in the ring 12 feet apart from each other thing. <laughs> and because most people aren't looking for that, you know, they believe that if you need self-defense, you go to Krav Maga. If you need self-defense, you go to Jiu-Jitsu. And more often than not, it's only those two and nothing else will survive. You'll either go with a combatives and weapon-based route of Krav Maga type stuff because of all the hype of that. I'm not actually a huge Krav Maga fan specifically. Neither am I. Uh, for kind of a lot of reasons, and most of them are, are psychological, if I'm honest. I think that there's a lot of room for failing people in there. Things, I, I break things down usually to, you know, is it an art or is it a system? And arts have human components and systems don't. And so when you train a system, and I would put Krav Maga as a system, it's really good for military application, which is what it was developed around. You need to be able to pass it to soldiers. Those soldiers need to not ask questions. And they have certain freedoms based on their deployment that, that civilians don't. Mm -hmm. And so to, to just continue and do the worst things possible to people uh, immediately without any understanding of, of the negative consequences. You're not backed by the fact that this was some insurgent in a place that, that was, it was okay for you to respond the way you did. And I understand that the military, I mean, they still have to be responsible for the things that they do, but there are allowances when that's your job versus when you're in the mall, the guy's popping off and you just decide to, to throat punch him and then stamp his head. You know, well, it's what you trained every day because it's, that's what you do. You know, you hit him in the groin, you punch him in the throat and yeah, you know, it's, was it too much? Was it the right thing to do? Don't know, you know? Um, and so I struggle with that because I, when I talk to people that do it, and most of this is based off of just observing people who've trained it, is a lot of it's very dismissive to anything that's not uber violent. And they also don't tend to ever talk about any of the things that lead up to the mm -hmm. altercation. It's always, in fact, there's been some studies of people waiting until, until it gets worse before they start defending themselves because they were trained to work off of the worst case thing. And if you don't yeah. have a balance yeah. in, in not training that way, then you might actually wait until you know what to do, which is when things have already gone really bad and then start working, which, sorry, if that's a situation, especially like an actual violent encounter uh, with some, like especially criminal violence, they're probably good. They've probably done it before. And you probably haven't. You've done it on the mat. They've done it to people. And that's different. And if you're waiting until they're already doing the bad things to you, well, they've got more experience doing bad things to you than you have experience stopping them. 
and that's, that's dangerous. That, that's yeah. why I don't buy into a lot of the martial arts as self-defense at all, really, anymore. Is look, Well, you've done jiu-jitsu. Joe, you've done jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I've done jiu-jitsu. How many times do you go in and you go, I know what to do, but I can't do it. As soon as, as, soon as you start rolling and the adrenaline hits or like you start getting tired, everything just goes away. Yeah. You just lose it. Now imagine times in that by a thousand and someone's really in front of you, wants to try and kill you. Your Krav Maga, karate, jiu-jitsu, whatever training is, is going to fall out your ass. And it just will not, it just won't help. If anything, it'll probably get you in more trouble. So like you said, right. it's that, it's that pre-fight stuff that the, the crav people don't teach that's 10 times more important. Yeah. And I don't want to completely crap on crav because there probably are some teachers that do, you know, they're probably oh, absolutely. people yeah, who have, you know, so, so just generalizing. Um, but I'm, I'm in every art, I think there can be bad teachers and there can be good mm. teachers. And so I, I hope that there are some, and I always hope that if someone says, yeah, I've been trained in this, that they, that they have a teacher that does think about that stuff. I just don't assume that the, the other thing that I think is a big struggle is, okay, so that's criminal violence. I happen to live in a place where criminal violence is not super likely. Like it just, where, you know, I, I had an, uh, Another eye-opening experience the other day, my, our neighbor, there's a rental house next door to us, and the neighbor was moving out, and we actually hadn't had a chance to meet him um, until he was moving out, and we were talking to him, and he was from, i trying to remember if he was from California or something like a bigger city, for sure, and he said, you know what, when we came in, I looked to my wife, and I said, we're in an okay neighborhood because of your house, and I said, really? And he said, yeah. He said, I pointed to the bikes that you guys have um, under your carport. Because we just have where we park the car, we've got bikes just hung on the wall there, and and it faces the street. And he said, you know, I looked at my wife and I said, this is an okay neighborhood. And the reason was he was basing that off of the fact that we hadn't. Well, I mean, there's a a small chain around him, you know, to just kind of deter things. But he's going. The fact that you're willing to put your bikes in in clear view means you probably don't have a lot of people coming through your neighborhood doing bad stuff. Yeah. And. That was an eye-opening thing to go, yeah, actually, like, our situation's not too bad. I've never really had those kind of concerns. So when you look at the the potentiality, then domestic things and that kind of stuff is is more likely. Mm. And when was the last time you were in just about any martial art or martial system-based thing where they discussed what it's like to look at your husband or your wife or your kid or your whoever, somebody significant to you. And now you got to think about all the violent things you know how to do while looking at somebody that you love deeply. Mm. And and how do you process just the pure shock of the need of that? And that's another thing that when when most people are dealing with situations of... of um, sexual abuse and rape and things like that in in places like where i live where it's not super bad from a criminal standpoint that means that most of that stuff is happening from people you know yeah and if it's happening from people you know there's a bigger you can't just be like oh yeah well you should adjust you should adjust you're like this is a person that you might have been married to for 10 years that just didn't want to take no for an answer today and who might have been grooming you for the last 10 years to respond certain ways or to be certain things you know, how do you, you can't just tell people, well, you should just, 
Mm. They don't know, and they'll never know, because even if they're basing it off of their knowledge of that person, they're not spending the time with that person in private like you are. And people can be, people are two-faced. Not, it doesn't have to be a bad thing to be two-faced, but who you are with your significant other versus who you are when you're out in public and doing stuff versus who you are around your coworkers and your boss versus who you are when you're, you know, in a business meeting or whatever, you're different people. It's just how it works. You, you yeah. match the situation. So if you don't have, so you can never truly have that kind of personal understanding of what those people are like behind closed doors and what it would be like to have to manage that situation. And that's just a conversation that doesn't really come up too much. And I think it's a big disservice to go, well, you know, if you need to defend yourself from a man, you just kick him in the balls and move on. I I would like to see f- footage of those and case reports of those situations yeah, exactly. going where just a yeah. quick kick to the balls and, a, and an elbow to the face was all it took to to solve everything and all the problems just magically go away. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not True. the reality. Yeah, it's not the reality. You you can you can hear you know read dozens of hundreds of people you know doesn't work that way when it's your husband does it like you said someone who just doesn't want to take no for an answer today and things start to escalate there's no mm. way that you're just gonna mm-hmm. kick him in the nuts and run at, rich at right four and run where? In the morning. have you have you thought about where you're gonna run yeah and, and what yeah, happens yeah, yeah. if he stands in front of the door and says no you're yeah. not leaving and you know the places I mean, you'll you're gonna go Exactly, exactly that. It's just it's based on such a narrow premise that that there's this one action that fixes everything. And like you're saying, it's it's a kind of dangerous thing to to say. It's it's one small thing that you could use in some circumstances. It's, it yeah. really is. it's the struggle of omission. Uh, martial arts don't want to talk about those topics, even in self-defense seminars and stuff like that. Like. I look back at all the seminars we did and that, and they didn't tackle those things. Like it was like, now nah, we'll tackle the low hanging fruit of if somebody grabs you, do this, if somebody does this, does this, if somebody in a, in a completely faceless person and you know, if they do that, then what do you do? And even that can be really hard for people, but then you add in those components. Like you're not, you're not talking about it. You're not bringing it up. So it's not even in somebody's mm-hmm. mind and they're not thinking about it. And that's, so you, I don't know. I think it's important that with yourself or with your students or with whoever in your life is training that, that the concept and the question of context is important. If you're training for health and because, I mean, honestly, I think I do believe that martial arts is an excellent self-defense thing, but not from the standpoint of actually preparing people for that, but instead in instilling confidence in people and allowing them to have a safe, usually a dojo is a, is a safer place to go around better people who are not going to do stuff like that. So you're surrounding yourself with good people. You're putting yourself in better situations. Your friend group might change. You're, you're not going out into the the same kind of situations that maybe you used to. You're more confident. You maybe are developing stronger uh, self-respect and boundaries and those things will handle self-defense way better than most. But they don't, but that for me really only makes sense in a place where that's not likely to be a criminal violence or just, or just like high likelihood. If there's high likelihood, you've got to, you've got to address it directly. And the martial arts first off just takes too long for the mm-hmm. physical part takes too long. Yeah. 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 
Rich Dimitri put something up the about a month ago, which I really liked, where he 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 shared a, a story of it was a I think it was a domestic case, and he said I, the amount of crime documentaries or any documentary involved in this kind of stuff that I've watched over the years never has it ended with the victim surviving through use of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Krav Maga, martial arts. It just doesn't... Never has he found a situation where that helped. Like I said, because... You know, how do you... How do you punch a family member in the throat to try and... Save yourself? It's just... How do you get over that? And and then grooming's a whole other concept. Like, how much have you been... Uh, you know, for lack of a better word, programmed over time to, mm. if somebody is that some of the worst people when it comes to people who do stuff to their family members, their, their kids, their wives, their husbands, their whatever, usually that comes along with behavioral adjustments that they're making to those people over the course of weeks and months and years, that they're setting a tone of how you're going to respond and what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. And that's already a huge hurdle and you might not even know that it exists there you know well you don't you don't do those things just bad senseis do the same thing right like we talked about teachers that don't let you talk to each other don't let questions don't do stuff grooming and and social behavior is a is a thing and it's part of it plus you never know how it's going to go one of the guys that i worked with he was an mp when he was uh, in the military and they got called out to a domestic where um the wife had called and needed they wanted her to come she wanted them to come take her husband um i forget the circumstance obviously they felt like she felt like he needed to get out of there he was being violent or something but as soon as they actually started taking him she grabbed a knife and started going after the officers because there was that flip of like but wait a second you're taking him away from me Mm. Even though she had asked for it, well, suddenly she was the person who was actually slashing with knives and 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 mm. being the actual dangerous thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you just don't know how that kind of circumstance is gonna going to work out. And if you're not, if you don't have any interest in knowing about that, then you're probably not preparing yourself. And mm. like I said, maybe you don't want to. Maybe you don't care. If you do, you kind of have to pay attention and mm. just understand these things. Um, yeah. Joe, and let's let's give some some more words to Joe because I know Joe is uh, now I've, has to I've, go I've off got, and deal with his customer. I've got to go now. Okay, but please please carry on without me because this is a really interesting topic, and I'd be really looking forward to listening to the rest of this when it goes live. But yeah, please because this okay. this is a subject that we need to take this episode and we need to spread it amongst the entire martial art community. Because everybody needs to hear this. There's a couple of things that Ken said that is echoing in my head mm. that that people need to hear this, is that if you only ever train in the violence side of self-defense, that is that you're gonna you're that is exactly what you're gonna lead straight towards. You're gonna make the situation worse. People need to hear this stuff. So please, please, please carry on without me, because this is an important subject. Yeah. Look forward to chatting so, again soon, Joe. Yeah, we will, def- we will definitely talk again soon, Ken. Really good to talk to you. Thank you for having me, guys. You're more than welcome. I'll speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. I'll see you. Bye. Right. Bye. Whoa, now there's just one Joe and Ken. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I could duplicate you on the screen so I can feel just like Joe's still here. <laughs> they need more, more Ken and Joe. Keep going, Ken, with those thoughts. 
yeah, it's it's definitely something I think about a lot. Uh, so yeah, just, me too. Because the truth is, when you you know we train in the physical stuff, that's what we train, and that's what we enjoy training. And let's face it, if you part of if part of any part of your training is because you want to get some exercise and and feel good, you know, to today's video that's going to go out is is going to talk about endorphins and stuff too, like just part, some of the things that are positive that happen. We won't really go into it, but endorphins is one of the things. And that's the thing. If you want that, if you want to work out, you want to feel good, you want to do this stuff, then you the, the physical is what you have to do. You know, sitting in a chair and talking about it doesn't get you that stuff. And so people want to focus on that. But the reality is if the thing that is happening has gone physical, a lot of things have already gone wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's an important subject and it's one I've really been thinking of. Well, yeah. a lot, so the last we've we've gone so. um, a pretty specific route, and and honestly, a lot of it's come from listening to your podcast and the different people that you have talked to, and you guys talking about it. Um, you know, this concept. You know, Greg, you asked the question a lot, like, do we say we're training self defense? Do we keep training self defense? What do we do? You know, and I and I have those same questions. And these days, you know, we added like an FAQ to our website, and a lot of it's like specifically asking those questions like how does this stuff prepare you for self-defense like what arts we offer different arts too you know i my personal opinion so in our school we have um karate eskrima jiu-jitsu kickboxing tai chi yoga you know a bunch of stuff and there's a there is a a limit to what each one of them is going to give you from a self-defense perspective and so obviously the, the Tai Chi, we do is Tai Chi for health. So basically none, zero amount. Yoga, obviously in the same category. Both of those are in our health and wellness stuff. Like they're not, they're not preparing you for that. Yeah. Um, does Tai Chi have the, have the curriculum? Absolutely. Is, are we teaching it? No. So it's not, it doesn't count. But, you know, and, and who's doing it? If it's a guy, a lot of times I'm going, you should get into karate and you should be working some of the grappling and striking and percussive stuff. Uh, if it's a woman, uh, usually I'm saying you should, if you had to pick, you should probably pick jujitsu because sometimes where, where your circumstance might start is possibly with somebody already on top of you. And if that's the case, then, I mean, jujitsu is literally one of the first things it's teaching is how to, how to escape from having people on top of you or holding you in some sort of way. Mm. So the curriculum is stacked in your favor if that's the more likely thing that you're going to experience. And so what are, who are you? What, how is the art that you're going to train prioritizing the things that are going to be relevant to you specifically or to your circumstance? And then from there, kind of looking out, you know, like we have kickboxing, I don't specifically recommend kickboxing to people for self-defense. Uh, for the confidence things, absolutely. For for some striking and range and distance and timing and that kind of stuff, absolutely. But it's a sport done in sport ways. So you're not, I, I know for a fact that in our school, we're not ever really talking about the, the these concepts in the kickboxing class. So if you're not going to talk about the concepts, if you're not, if you're going to do it purely from a sparring standpoint, and I have a really big struggle with sparring in general, uh, if you're not, if you're going to do everything from a sparring context consensually, then it's not preparing you. 
So it's not a good, it's probably not your primary. If you want to add it to something, so, okay, well, I'm, maybe I'm going to start with jujitsu, but I'm also going to do kickboxing. So I kind of have a combination of something. Okay. Um, and Eskrima, uh, the Kali, I love it. If you're willing to put some time into it, it absolutely is useful. But in, in my mind, a big part of it, even though it is a the particular... I, I study and teach Tobosa Kale Eskrima specifically. And that particular art is is uh, heavily morally influenced. There's a lot of consideration given to how do you use this stuff justly and um, how do you, you know, how do, how do you approach that from a moral perspective? Uh, but Kali itself, I, I jokingly say, like, Kali is how you kill people. Like people are like, well, Kali uses lots of knives. It's really good. You're like, well, yeah, Kali's really good at cutting people with knives. It's not actually super at dealing with knives, other than just cutting them more than they cut than they cut you, so that they stop cutting you. Mm. Um, God, it's you know, there's there's a story <laughs> that was in the original handbook that that I had and still have, called the Trial of Fifty Eight Stripes. And in the Trial of Fifty Eight Stripes, there was a man who was attacked with a guy with a knife. And he took the knife from a guy and he cut him many, many times in a matter of seconds, like 30 seconds. And the guy died. And the guy who did it, they went, you murdered a dude today. And you're saying it was self-defense, but you murdered a dude today. We don't believe you. That was a murder. And so they took him to court and he said, this is just what I was trained to do. I just did my training. And they so they simulated it by they put a guy in a white fencing uniform. They got out a knife that they could put chalk on and they gave it to the guy in the fencing uniform and they said, okay, so how did he attack you? Let's, let's simulate it. So the guy attacked, he took the knife away and he cut him. And that's why it's the, the trial of 58 stripes is in 30 seconds. He had cut him 58 times and they went, okay, he was, he ended up being acquitted. They went, yeah, you were trained to do that. That might've been excessive, <laughs> but in that case he was acquitted, but you know, I mean, it's an interesting thing when you consider the idea that that the response was to cut someone 58 times. And, mm. um, you know, it's a, it's a different thing. I find I, I have, I'm working through things mentally with Eskrima right now because of the fact that it's like, it's not, it is good at defense in certain circumstances. I find it to be often supplemented with my karate very quickly. Um, and, and when it comes to the weapon stuff, really it's how to be offensive with a weapon. It's not, not very much how to defend a weapon, even though defense, the, the, the concept, the, the word is used a lot. It's a very offensive thing. For example, the primary disarm is if somebody tries to hit you with a weapon, you smash or cut or obliterate the hand that holds the weapon. If they can't hold a weapon, they can't hurt you anymore. You defang the snake is the, as they go, um, our particular art has a, a moral uh, escalation. So we go fang, mobility, and breath. The idea being you deal with the fang, and maybe that's enough. If you can't deal with the fang or you can't, then you deal with mobility and you work to escape, get away. And then if you can't do either of those, then if it's net or if it's necessary, then you go for breath, which might be consciousness or it might be life, right? Taking a life. Um, 
it doesn't mean that you'll do those first. You, the very first thing you might do might be to make someone unconscious or dead, but but you will have passed through those gates of making the assessment of is Fang or mobility going to do the job? Um, and if for some reason you feel like Fang's not going to get it, the circumstance isn't right, maybe you start with mobility, you know, but you're always processing it from that moral compass first, going, how do I handle this morally appropriately? to the best of my ability, knowing that morally appropriately might still be ending your life today. Mm. Which is a pretty deep of its own thing. That's a, a deep subject of its own kind. But. Yeah. It's a big subject. I personally, yeah. I've, I've found my enjoyment of martial arts since I've taken the self-defense. Just, I just, it's not that I don't care. I, I care about it, but I'm just very aware that martial arts and self-defense are completely different, and I don't focus on the self-defense anymore. My enjoyment of the martial arts has gone through the roof. I enjoy it yeah. so much more because I'm not constantly thinking, how, you know, how is this self-defense? I'm going to ignore this fun stuff because it's not related to self-defense. Now I don't do that. I just enjoy it so much more. It's just so much more fun. There's so much more to do. There's a lot more if you include that. I guess I kind of got off track. Yeah, so we have a, on our website, we have an FAQ. We put in a lot of things about um, self-defense and the reality of it and things you should consider if you're looking for martial arts. And for the most part, what we recommend and what we do is if you actually want self-defense itself, we do it in private classes, private lessons or seminars. Uh, like private seminars, mm -hmm. because then I can have those conversations and I can prepare Absolutely. you for the idea mm -hmm. that part of this is going to be yeah. just sitting down and talking and it's going to be boring and it's not going to yeah. be what you expect, but it is what yeah. you yeah. need. Yeah. But this classes is... can't be like that. And it's for the people that have asked for it as well. Mm -hmm. You know, people come to, some people might come to a karate class for self-defense, but some people might not. Mm. Yeah. So if you sit down for your karate class for 90 minutes and talk about the dangers of domestic violence, half of the people in the room are going to go, I didn't come for this. I want right. to hit yeah. a bag, please. Like, this isn't Yeah, yeah exactly. You can't teach um, a class like that. No. So all you can do is make sure that they realize that it's not going to cover it and then move you on can't. and do the things. You exactly. can't. And something else that I think, um, I, I can't remember, um, please, all my pre our previous guests, please forgive me because I can't remember who brought this up. But the fact is that you cannot, for instance, um, the only world that I'm familiar with, because nothing happened to me as a kid, is mm. is the the world of women. And you can't just start talking about this stuff in front of a bunch of women who aren't prepared because you have no idea what you're going to start bringing up right trauma so is a you, thing you yeah so so you as a as an uninformed teacher maybe are then suddenly going to receive potentially a lot of negativity or a lot of upset a lot of very 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 unhappy people plus a lot of very yeah. uncomfortable other students as well you can't just do that no, and honestly, and I and I, the thing that I worry about the most with that is not even the people who are upset, but the people who I don't realize that I triggered, who I put, I regressed their progress that they made in their recovery, maybe. Yeah. Mm. And and you might not even know you did it. And they might not trust you anymore. Right. My concept of of um, sexual abuse with women has grown significantly as a teacher because of the fact that as people opened up to me, I realized that the actual, what I thought were the statistics of people who have dealt with, you know, being molested as a child or, or being molested as an adult or, or rape or any of those things was significantly more often than I ever thought. Yeah. Uh, 
and it opened my eyes to realize you just that. don't know how you know it and it the it was certainly much greater than 50% of the women that were in class had had something and you know it made me realize that this is not something you you see in the movies and you occasionally hear a news story it was like this was happening to people all the time and it's not reported a lot of people are are embarrassed by it or they're scared about it or things and they just don't say anything but it's happened to them and they're working through their traumas and i i try to pay attention and and i can usually pick up on it um you work certain things if somebody's had a physical experience and you pay attention when you train you will notice how they open up or close down or or respond to certain things you know the obvious one being if you're working like a choke escape or something like that and as soon as you put hands on or even get near it you might see them you know break down or or lock up and and there's usually it's not just because the concept of choking is scary but usually because it's probably already happened before and and but choking is just the low-hanging fruit it's the it's an easy one to understand but there's many if you pay attention you can see when people start closing off because you're you're getting into territory that triggers and we as martial artists are not therapists as much as i want to be able to address and help people with stuff i'm not trained for that no 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 and it's not the right thing to get involved but you know so we keep honestly at the front desk we keep cards for therapists and stuff like that we make connections for people because the martial arts attracts people who have gone through things Mm -hmm. not everybody coming into it is looking to prevent something a lot of times they're looking to prevent a reoccurrence of something. Yeah. Or they want to know what they did wrong or could have done differently. And they hope to never have it happen again, but they don't know why, what they did wrong. Mm. Whereas, you know, most guys come in and they don't have a single concept. They don't have a single clue. They've not been in that situation. You know, maybe they had some some bullies and they got pushed around, yeah. you know. And, and I'm not saying that more things don't happen to guys, but the average guy that joins a martial arts school is there because it's fun yeah absolutely do this Mm. and not coming from a different place Mm. yeah Yeah. i I think that's such a great um reason to keep it keep the very specific self-defense as a separate thing from Mm. the general class that's that's i think that's exactly it because people are there for such a multitude of reasons you know that you you can't possibly understand and they may never share with you you know, if, if, if someone someone's there to get their self-confidence up and feel good for whatever reason, they may never share that re- reason with you. They may not even know it, you know, properly, yeah. consciously know it. So they may never tell you, but they may get more and more confident as they're there, as they trust everyone in the class and everything improves for them. Yeah. yeah. And you got to police that, too. If I'm honest, we had somebody in, in the school at one point who was abusing their power so to speak and starting to create bad situations and they were immediately exited um rank stripped and gone because we had to show a zero tolerance for that circumstance but you have to you have to please your own people too because you don't just because you trust somebody on the mat and that you've worked with them for a long time doesn't mean that they're not also potentially a predator who's who's using the power that they get by having rank or whatever to and the trust that's implied in a mm. martial arts class to I mean, how many how many times you hear situations. that story right all the time mm. senior yeah. martial arts instructor arrested for preying on students it just seems to be a, a very common story right yeah. and the Is... the 
the more traditional the school, the more it creates the circumstance that that is just entirely possible. Mm. Is that go? That's going back to what you were talking about earlier, um, of you know some some structures that are really really anti anyone asking questions that kind of thing so the the authority is reinforced yeah yeah if you if you work in a school where questioning is not good saying no is definitely not good who are you to say no to what you need you know you've been told to do this you need to do it there's a value in that i don't like the idea of getting rid of that entirely because i've worked with some people who fear is a big thing Right. And if they never are forced to move past that thing, then they can never achieve what they're capable of. And sometimes just being able to ask questions a thousand times and trying to do that stuff, sometimes you just need to do it. And sometimes you need to just have the ability to say, I'm asking you to do this right now and I need Mm -hmm. you to do it. And they need to do it. That's really interesting to me because there's the line, isn't there? There's the line. mm -hmm. Where where does the you need to do this because I said so because I am the teacher and it is time for you to do this. And yes, us letting people go at their own pace. Where Where's the line? Yeah, and I think it's incredibly difficult and I think it's incredibly personal, you know, uh, for, for I can only speak of myself. And mm-hmm. for me, it's based entirely on what is my relationship to that person specifically? Mm. What am I seeing and what have I tried so far? Like what have I worked through that has given me the feedback of what is and isn't, you know, um, for example, it's like I had one student who anytime she was shown anything, she wanted to understand it explicitly before she'd ever try it. She wanted to wrap her head around it entirely. Uh, and the the truth was my ability to help her, and we had this conversation, my ability to help her was entirely based on if you try it, then I can make an assessment on how much you understand or don't understand. And then go from there. If I try to tackle every possible thing, not having a clue how much, maybe you understand 99% and you need 1%. Maybe you understand 10%. But before you ever try it, I don't have a clue how much you got or didn't get. Mm. And so we could spend two hours trying to get it sorted, or you could try it once, and I could instantly know how much of that you picked up and where we need to work. And so it became a a thing of like, you just got to do it. You just have to do it. And then I will be more than happy to work with you. But first you have to do it so that I I have the information to work with to help you. But I think the answer, as much as you can have an answer, is in having the conversation. There's a difference between telling somebody, you're going to do this right now because I told you to. And you're going to do this right. I, I need you to do this. Because if we don't, you know, if I, if we don't get past this part, I'm not going to be able to help you with this part or whatever. Having a conversation, explaining why they need to do it from an honest place is very different and more approachable than just saying, you need to do it. I told you to do it. You need to do it. And you are, or even worse yet, and you want to say it, I want to say it. I want to be like, you know, I just need you to trust me and let's do this. But that's a dangerous thing because if I build the idea that you just need to trust me, well, why, why is it my right to tell you that you should trust me? I can't do that. So I have to use different words. Oh, it's really interesting, isn't it? So I was just hearing that in my head and thinking, I want you to do this because I've told you to, because I want the class to go this way versus the way this just played out in my head versus I need you to do this because this is really going to help you understand your posture. 
I need you to do this because this is really going to help you get the next part right. It will make sense in five minutes. And it kind of it feeds into it slightly differently, doesn't it? With a bit of explanation that someone's yeah. going to go, okay, right. Yeah, let's go with it then. Yeah, I love right. that. And, and, and I think that method builds trust. If I can, if I can explain to you why I think that you should try this and just, and why I think that you should trust me and just try it, mm. then maybe you develop a trust. Mm. And if you develop that trust, then that happens on your own way. Mm. Um, but then the other side is on me. I have to be worthy of that trust. Mm. I need to be responsible for that trust. So if I am asking you to do something and you start to trust me to do it, well, I can't just start also asking you to do things that you shouldn't be doing and abuse that trust. And so that measurement has to be there. You know, I look at it too from like kids, you know, if I'm ever gonna have a situation where I'm gonna say, I told you to do this, you need to do it. It's probably with a kid. Yeah. You know, sometimes <laughs> you just gotta shut them down and go, yeah. you need to do it. You're here to do it. You're messing around. We've been mm -hmm. struggling with you for the last 10 minutes. Get to work or you're sitting out. You know, you have to sometimes be able to draw those lines. Yeah. But you have to make sure, I think, being responsible for that trust or that behavior is you have to make sure that the thing that you're telling them to just do and the way that you're doing that is coming from a good place and a place that has their interest in mind. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as it just becomes what you want and you're just doing that because it, it's what you want and you can and you have the power to do it is as soon as it's wrong mm. and it can't be that way. I don't think I've ever understood that so clearly as listening to you talk about that, Ken. <laughs> Thought a lot about it. I've, I, this is I can been tell. on my mind very much, um, mm. you know, because as, as an instructor and it, an amazing thing happens is people immediately trust you. Um, yeah. And they, they come in and they just immediately assume that because you pay to have a building with, with martial arts on the wall and you got a certificate <laughs> and, and you pay rent and you charge them a bill, that they can trust that everything you're going to give them is worth something. And the, the truth is people should be way more discerning than that, but they're not. And I never want to lose sight of how important it is to reinforce why. Even if you came in and trusted me right away, and even if I believe that I deserved that trust. I need to constantly work to maintain that trust and to evaluate whether or not what I'm doing is staying on track with that trust. And for the most part, the way I manage that is just being honest. If I feel like something's not right or I feel like, you know, I need to assess it, I just want to be honest. Like, And the biggest one, which fits the topics that, that we're talking about on you know, with Greg and Joe and, and Sue, you know, you, when we're talking about this stuff, is a lot of it is I have probably taught you stuff that I don't believe in. Mm. I have probably taught you stuff that is wrong. I have probably taught you stuff that will get you hurt or killed. Uh, and so I need to spend a lot of time measuring that trust and being honest when I learn something new that, that, uh, contradicts something I, I knew. So if, if before I used to feel that this needs to be done for this way, and this is how you do it, and this is why, if I don't believe that anymore, then I need to be honest with you about it. 
and I yeah. and I can't hide behind wanting to just be the person who was always right. I need to be honest with you and make sure you realize why. And I also want you to see that that's what I expect of you too. Just because I ta- I could believe in it very hard right now. It could be something that I came away from something I didn't believe in and moved into something I believe in now that later when I learn more, I won't believe in this either. But I might not be around to tell you that. So I really want to lead by example to show you that you should be questioning this stuff. You should be making your assessments. And hopefully, if I do my part right, that it will continue, what you find will continue to be in alignment with what I'm doing and what I'm finding. Mm -hmm. But if it's not, I hope that I've also created an environment where we can talk about that and we can work through it and we can make assessments on if something needs to change. And then act on those changes and not brush it under the rug and just go, well, I'm going to look really bad if people think that this has been wrong all the time. Don't care. I'll it just look bad, I guess. Yeah, I would rather look bad getting you the right thing mm. than set you up for failure by trying not to look bad. Mm. Mm. And if, if what people are saying about you out there, if the worst thing that people can be saying about you is, well, he came into class and he was really honest about something and said that he felt he got something wrong and he was re, you know, he'd done some new learning. If that's the gossip about you as a teacher, that's not bad. Mm. I like to think so. <laughs> I like to think that that's what I would want people to know. Um, you know, and it can be frustrating. I have students that learned from me that have learned different ways of doing things over the years. And mm. and that can be frustrating being like, I remember that it used to be like this and now you're teaching it like this. You know, I was gone for six months and I came back and we're not doing it that way anymore. We're doing it this way. And now I feel like I all the time I yeah. spent on that, you know, and it's like, well, sorry. Yeah, I've, uh, <laughs> I've, I've grown. I've learned more. I Welcome to life. To not believe that. Um, yeah. Let's walk through why, how I got to what I think now and why I teach what I teach now. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's, no, 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 you, what you did was right. Uh, just while you were gone, we went over that and continued moving on to the next thing. And this is where you need to go too, because sometimes things are a step along the way. I don't in, in explicitly believe in one step sparring or three step sparring or different things. There's different historical things that say those are not good. But at the same time, I actually do like them and do see value in them. Mm -hmm. But what I think is very important is that you can't start one step sparring and then only ever one step spar. If it's there and it gets you the concept and it builds a thing and then you move on, then it did its job Mm -hmm. and that's fine. There are a lot of drills. If we start working color, you're going to learn a lot of drills. And there are a lot of people who collect the drills and they get good at doing the drill. Yeah. And they never actually expand to understand the skill itself. Yeah. And so that information is locked into the drill and completely useless. If you never move out of it, then it never actually had value. I can go to the hardware store every single day and find something cool that I think is interesting and buy it. Mm Mm-hmm. But if I never do any projects or never actually put it to work, I'll never know if I should have bought it. I never know if if I can achieve the things I want to achieve. If I, you know, there are, uh, continuing on the tool analogy, there are specialty tools that when you do a thing and you do it often, you might need a specialty tool that makes you more efficient and works better 
Whereas the average person might just need a regular version of that tool. That's not very useful and not very expensive. Like it'll get the job done, but it'll take about three times as long hmm. because you're not getting paid by the hour to do it 200 times to help build this house. And it's worth the investment if you do that. Some people, when they train martial arts, are, are need to get those. You, you never start off with a table saw. Your first saw is never a table saw. Table saws are incredibly useful. But your first saw was probably a handsaw and probably not even an electric one. And guess what? If you just need rudimentary things, you can use that handsaw for the rest of your life and give it to your kids and they can use it for the rest of their life. But if you're like me, you get into woodworking and you like doing that stuff, then you can find that there's a value in having a table saw and a circular saw and, and a pull saw and a push saw and different types of saws because they have value in, in something that you're doing beyond the average thing. It doesn't devalue the original tool. It just becomes more useful. And a lot of people, this is something I'm thinking a lot about with structuring the curriculum is what do people need? How do I fill somebody's toolbox with a, with a handsaw and a hammer and a regular screwdriver and a, and a couple different kinds because you got a Phillips head and you got a standard and whatever and just build that basic toolkit that, that every young boy should have when they move into their house, you know, and then how do I have a good way of allowing people to get interested and passionate about the things that they do and expanding their toolbox to do the things that they do? If somebody doesn't get interested in plumbing, then expanding their toolbox into a lot more of plumbing equipment is the wrong idea. Mm. So if I got somebody who's focusing on being a carpenter, then they need carpentry tools. You got somebody working on being a plumber, they need plumbing tools. They probably still started off with a basic saw and screwdriver and wrench and whatever. How do I make sure that my curriculum is structured in a way that the plumber gets plumbing tools and the carpenter gets carpentry tools? And they all started with a good set of tools and they might know how to use and they might pick up the occasional extra tool from somebody else's toolbox because they do that often enough it was worth having in their toolbox. But I don't need everybody who comes through to get a basic toolbox and then learn all of plumbing, all of carpentry, all of drywall, all of, and that's the way I see a lot of curriculums based. You need to learn everything. Yeah. You will be a universal martial artist if you learned everything. Yeah. Am I planning on living to be 2000? Am I, how am I going to master all of these things? And why shouldn't this be structured to reinforce the things that are specifically useful to me? And if not, uh, honestly, that's when people are going to leave because they're going to go find the thing that's useful to them and they're going to go get it. Yeah, that's kind of the way our syllabus works. I, I, by black belt, you should have a, a pretty basic toolbox mm -hmm. of you've, you've got your, your basic uh, striking tools, your basic grappling tools, your basic groundwork tools. And then from then on, whatever you're like you said, plumbing, whatever area you want to go in, we'll give you those tools to advance it. Yeah, that's kind of how MMA works as well, right? You, every 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 fighter has has their toolbox, and then they select their field, their trade that they want to progress right. in. And it might be chosen by them because of what they're interested in, or it might be chosen by the people that they have to go up against, and they yeah. were forced to learn those tools because it's the situation they end up in regularly. Mm. That was a great. It was. That was a great run of. Uh, <laughs> 
yeah. of wisdom and knowledge from Kurt <laughs> Get that, print it, and turn it into a little book, how to, uh, how to set up your karate school. Yeah, uh, I, I hope I can figure it out. I, I constantly run into things that I'm going, well, how do I manage that? And does this make sense? And sometimes it might go in the wrong way. And, you know, you think about stuff like one step sparring. You're like, it's valuable as long as you don't stick with it. Well, then how much time do you actually spend on it? And I or mean, should you just or should you get rid of it? And you got to ask yourself those questions. And maybe you do, I, and maybe you don't. I got rid of one step sparring a long time ago. I need to realize that we do it all the time. We just don't do it in the way. It's yeah, it's constantly thought. there. You know, that was one of the ones that the stood step out to back, me. Step in and, yeah. But, you know, if we're doing a drill where the person's going to throw a cross, you're going to slip to the left, take an angle, and then counter. That's one step sparring. Right. It's yeah, just no not. different than when you're on the mat in jiu-jitsu, and it's like, here's here's how to set up an armbar. Drill yeah, exactly. the armbar. That's your one step sparring of an armbar. Yeah. Difference is you just don't spend months and months perfecting every little inch perfect detail of it. It's like, there's the concept. Here's a drill it a few times. Now go and try it. Yeah. Go and, and evaluate whether or not the context of it makes sense. Like I, I definitely did lots of the one step that you just kind of pantomime there with the whole get into a, a good front yeah, stance. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Definitely start with a with a gate on barai down low, nice and yeah. formal, and I'm going to attack, and you're going to stand there, not not ready, and you're going to move into your place, and 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 you have to announce what you're going to attack before you attack it. Oh, we Did didn't do that. do that. Well, I guess the I guess the teacher was told you know, the teacher would tell what we were working on, or the only thing that we did is is my instructor would um, sometimes have you where they he would either allow the person to choose for themselves, or he'd give them specific things, but he'd make sure that the person defending didn't know. So that they had to respond in a certain way, but they had to base that off of what they observed at the time. Um, you know, I, I'm really thankful for the instructor that I have, because while he maintained a lot of those things, and we have great conversations now about whether or not some of them are useful and that, um, they were always in a place that... Were, was really pro pragmatic whether they need to or not. For for example, here's one that I think you'll recognize, which is fighting the kata where you got somebody on the compass points. We did that. We would do that. We'd get surrounded by people and we would fight the kata. Only it wasn't done very often and it was never done as in this is an explanation of what the kata does. Mm -hmm. It was done in two for two reasons. One was mental can you remember what comes next when you're when everything's chaotic? Um, and that includes if you're the person doing the attack, can you remember what the next thing should be so that you're doing the right thing? But the thing that that we got the most out of and the thing that he stressed the most was people are going to be coming at you and they might do the right thing. They might mess up and do the wrong thing. So if you do anything right, you should use good footwork to move around and to handle it. And so while it started off shaped like that, the skill that was born from it uh, was footwork and mobility and f uh, flexibility when people would do things wrong. Because everybody would do something wrong. People would fall asleep thinking about their part or, you know, they'd drift off until it was their time and then they'd do who knows what. Yeah. Uh, and he was very big in going, the one of the biggest flaws that he saw in kata, he's going, why are we always stepping forward? 
if somebody's attacking you, you should, you know, you probably need to step back or something like that. Um, and now I have my own feelings on that as, as you might, you know, especially now that I have a completely different concept of caught up entirely. Um, but because of that, when we would quote unquote fight the kata, uh, you were always making sure to move at some sort of angle or some sort of thing. It never stayed clean and you were constantly moving and you were having to manage the fact that the place you needed to move, somebody might've been standing there because they were the one who just did something else or something. And you had to manage also where is that person? And so I completely value the footwork that I got from that drill. Not enough that I'm going to do that drill very often or, or possibly ever again. But this is one of those struggles of going, I have really good footwork now because of it. And so am I, how do I make sure that I'm not doing a disservice by leaving that footwork on the table for somebody else? Because they never get to do that drill, so they never get to learn the footwork that way. Uh, I think the answer is to replace it with something that can emulate that. But sometimes it's hard to find the thing that mm -hmm. emulates what you got. And until you do, you might just need to keep doing the old thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> um, now, I'm very aware that, um, that we're we're pretty much at the end of the time that we said we would record with you, Ken, because it's sure. very, very late at night for you. What time is it with you, Ken? Uh, what is it, like uh, 1240 or so? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there was no something. There was there was there was something a completely different subject that you guys wanted yeah? to talk to each other about. Oh, what was that? Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh, Obi Wan. Oh, we Obi -Wan spoken Kenobi. about this. Now we haven't. <laughs> yeah. Spoken, yeah, you haven't. Spoken Which is funny. About like this. you guys were talking about Obi Wan Kenobi, and Sue, you were talking about the boys, and yeah. So I finished Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi, and I'm I'm almost finished with the boys. Like I love both of those shows. Uh, yeah. I think that Obi-Wan Kenobi is possibly one of the, the best Star Wars things that I've seen in recent times at all. I agree. And they handled in a, an incredibly short amount of time. They gave all of the awesome excitement and visuals and everything that I could want that it used to take many, many movies to, to get to. And I, can I just tell you that, that, the turning on and off of a lightsaber uh, spoilers if you haven't go watch that stop this right now and just go watch all there's like six episodes just go watch it uh, but the idea of of killing the lights and then having the lightsaber off until you're ready to do something to somebody honestly i got a little frustrated because i went this is before a lot of stuff and how come obi-wan kenobi knew how to do all this stuff and then nobody ever after could fight nearly as good as what I saw in this show. Like there are tactics and strategies that I'm like, I don't know why, why don't nobody fought as well as, as I saw in there. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be another series that will explain all that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did go <laughs> hide in a cave forever. So maybe he's just the only one who knew how to do that. Was that, <laughs> was that another little spoiler? Okay. Just in general, no, like, no. Oh no, that, that spoiler was from episode four, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. You you find out that I mean that's that's where you meet Ben Kenobi in the in the first movie, well fourth movie. Um, so yeah. we know that he lived in a cave for a long time, but 
and and if you don't know the timeline of obi-wan kenobi is kind of before that so uh, <laughs> yeah i just felt like the the strategies and the tactics used in the way that that he specifically was fighting you could learn a lot from what he was doing and how he was doing it um and not just him you know i felt like vader was specifically better at doing certain things and there oh, were other vader people was so were... good <laughs> he was oh, so yeah. good and the use of the force to manipulate other people's weapons yes that, I needs love to hap- that. that needed to happen way more like yeah. if you have that come on like, yeah they did and and it just was visually absolutely stunning absolutely yeah, it stunning. was it was i was very when it when they announced it and they said it was going to be a limited series i thought perfect we don't need any more this is just just this is what we want now i'm like no give me a second series because there's there's more to do after that end scene yep there's more to do there's good stuff to do more of that and give me something that good of other uh storylines other character arcs yes like there are so many cool characters that just never like i want to enjoy a really sweet like that level of quality arc of mara jade I think that'd be excellent. I would enjoy that. Jade. She's not canon anymore, though. Oh, did that? I didn't. I didn't know that. Mm. She's not canon anymore. No. Do it anyway. Sorry. Do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's room. They could probably do it. Just do it. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, we'll just start a whole like multiverse of this stuff. Yeah. Sue has no clue what we're talking about, but I haven't. Right. I would like you to to um sell it to me and tell me if I was going to go and watch this. Do I just go and watch this? Because I am somebody no. who grew up when um the the first movies um were the only ones out, and okay. uh, with a brother who was super excited about all of this. So I kind of I saw all the the ones that first came out. And yeah. I've seen stuff about the other ones and I kind of know the other ones are there and it's just never really filled me with it. I did occasionally get a little bit of um, secondhand excitement when people got very excited about one of the most recent movies and apparently it was a wonderful. So part of me thinks I'll just go and watch this and just see how much fun it is because it seems like it's good fun. Yeah. Um, and I, I, So I know who some of these people are, obviously, because yeah. I saw those first three films. Well, that's just so, it. So I was like, I'll sell it to you. So first off, t- sell there it are only me. six episodes. So your commitment is low. Like, <laughs> you, you know, you burn through it in a week if you watch one a day. Like, I mean, you, you'll get through it. So not a lot there, right? You've you've seen four, five, and six. So you already know who Leia is. You know who Obi-Wan is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know who people are, right? So you've got everything you need there. Anything that might have come later, they did a good job of handling um kind of flashing back to it or doing something to make sure that that information was present without yeah. you having to have recently gone and watched all of that. Cool. Um, and, and also then, in the first episode, they give you a very cool recap of the prequels. Yes, they did. Which so catches you all cut everything up. that comes before. Yep. The, the way, obviously I'm really excited about the way fighting and fight choreography was yeah. handled. I felt like that was really good, especially because, uh, particularly with Jedi, it's all sword work, right? Like specifically sword work, and it's always interesting to watch good good sword work. Uh, and then, if for no other reason, it's just beautiful. They, there are scenes of that that just 
are burned into my mind because of just there's it was in the I think it was the last episode that there's the place that it took place was just I can't believe that they haven't had anything that beautiful in any of the movies yet. Like it's amazing. It just so, you, two, so you two are good. just beaming right now. You're so happy in this little shared experience. Yeah, <laughs> it was just, yeah I agree with you though. It was it, it looked so cool. Mm. It was incredible. It was incredible. I've, you can watch it just, just for that. Complain about that though, and I'm like, really? Yeah, damn, Mark. What are you talking about? They're like, oh, it was yeah. just, it was there was rocks everywhere. I'm like, well, yeah. But yeah. did you not and see was... backgrounds and stuff? Like it looked gorgeous. Just, that's the, that's the environment you need to make use of the light. And yeah, it was good. Yeah, it had so much depth and and dynamic to it. Like it just was super. From a obviously a very visual based person, and I I just fell in love with that it was just gorgeous and the use there was i watched a corridor crew thing where they like redid certain scenes of the original movies and stuff and one of the things that they pointed out when they I were love doing corridor that crew. was right yeah is they is that the the blasts from the fighters and the different stuff like they didn't cast light on the walls and things yeah because they were painting them in so they didn't you know this even just that small detail of when a blast is happening or a lightsaber is in motion it's affecting the environment mm -hmm. and you're you're you know it just has this extra feeling to it that's really cool that was a level of detail that somebody put a lot of work into doing that was absolutely worth just enjoying yeah yeah it was good it was good it was good it was yeah have you have you checked out any of the obsessed. audio books yet by the way no, I haven't. So uh, I have your list saved, so I can go grab some of those audiobooks and start listening to those. Audiobooks about what? Some Star some Wars stuff. audiobooks. So I typically keep one of three books running uh, all the time. So I usually have a book, something in the martial arts realm, um, which could be philosophy or it could be something. It's hard to get books. Books on technique and stuff are pretty boring. But philosophy and history of martial arts is pretty interesting to me. Uh, then something usually in the realm of, of fantasy or sci-fi or something like that, something where a, a world that I can just get lost in and just enjoy. Uh, and then especially lately, books in leadership or, or entrepreneurship and things like that are... So usually I'll have one of those three going because they don't conflict with each other. So then it just depends on my mood when I get in the car, which thing I grab. And Greg recommended some Star Wars books for the the getting lost in another world. Oh, time they're so good. Car. Yeah. They're good because they, they have no connect. Well, they do have connection, but they're set like 200 years previous to the films. So, yeah. like, it's just, you know, like, you know, Jedi and you know different things, but it's just, it's different. You haven't got, a, it's just a, a completely new story. It's nice. I love that. And a different time. I mean, that's that's a decent amount of time. So there's a lot of other things that would have been happening at that time that had stopped happening by the time the movies were happening, right? Yeah, it's good. I'm going through Game of Thrones audiobooks at the moment. That's what I've started. Oh, it's, nice. So I, I'm about halfway through the first book on audio. How do you like that on audio? I really like it. I find myself going like, oh, I, I just want to keep listening to this. He's like finding because I, I really yeah. enjoyed the series. I uh -huh. really enjoyed the series up until kind of the I, I liked the last two seasons, but they're not anywhere near close to the other right. seasons. 
because you and you can definitely tell the point where they ran out of material and had to start just creating their own you can definitely see that so that's one of the reasons i wanted to list i, I was going to read the books i have the books but i just to for me to sit down i can and, never get it done no i, I just any of the books it's funny like i've literally bought physical books just to do some of the episodes for the channel on books because i almost never physically read them um unless i just can't get it in audio because it's just easier for time Right. Like I liked, I like to own the physical book. I like to be able to reference it, maybe highlight and write in it. Um, and definitely if I'm going to talk about it, I like to be able to have it in my hand and, and, mm. but for actually consuming books, audiobooks, I love the it. way to go. I love it. It's great. Yeah. We even, even spent time dabbling in, in looking at recording audiobooks and, and I'm working through one right now. But that oh really story for a later. That's time. one thing. When I was I listened to the Game of Thrones one, I was thinking, I was like, this must have taken, like, yeah. the recording of this is ridiculous because they're so long. Yeah. Oh. And there's yeah. so much like to 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 read it in the way that they read it. Especially it's, when it, they're good. When they're oh, good, yeah. it makes a difference. Well, and from what I know of that, you know, usually when they're really good. They've got somebody there, like coaching through retakes and stuff. Like they're trying to help make sure that you're expressing certain things. And so they'll, I mean, you think about every line that you hear, for every three lines that you hear, at least one of those got done multiple times, right? Yeah. To, to have it feel right. And, and then just the, the technological difficulty, you know, for me doing it alone without having somebody to produce it. Well, how close did I get to the mic? You know, did I record it like this the the first day that I worked on it? And then I recorded it like this the next day. And well, they don't match now. You can't jump from page to page and have them not sound the same. Mm. Um, you know, how did you sound? You know, well, you were kind of sick. So you were like, in fact, that was the first thing that stopped me before is I had allergies and I got really nasally. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to have three chapters of nasal nose. Like, you know, I got to hold off until until it sounds better, until it doesn't sound like I've, I've got a cold. Uh, and can you imagine like those types of books? I mean, hours and hours. You, you listen to them and they're like 50 hours long. Yeah. So they must be 200 hours worth of effort. Mm. Yeah. Well, I've, uh, I've and then somebody's got to edit it. This. Yeah, I've done Have a little you? bit of this, a li little bit of this. And some friends of mine are professionals. Um, and it does. It does take hours. And there's a limit to how much you can do per day. You, right. know, you can't do it for eight hours. You You can't you know you can't no. always do that and you do definitely need you can do some of it but it's always going to go to a producer when it's professional you know yeah. um even if you're recording from home which you absolutely can do a friend of mine did um kind of russian philosophy books <laughs> i mean heavy 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 work with yeah. endless footnotes oh wow extremely detailed extremely detailed work and he was there for weeks Oh, that's, that's absolutely a weeks yeah this it's, it's and it you're is, so you're right. right you can't go you know for a long time and you might not even realize it but you might think you have it but then your voice has started to go and mm. and you don't have like you you will yeah. be exhausted but mm -hmm. a lot of that does come with experience you know and a lot of that will you know is helped by the software and you can listen back to yourself and just like with yeah. martial arts just like with anything with a skill like that you do get better at, at monitoring yourself yeah. You know, you don't always need to have somebody sat beside you in a studio. You you do get better at knowing how good you are and being able to listen back and check. 
mm-hmm. you know, when you are a seasoned professional, you, you know, you can hear it and see what they're doing. Sure. Yeah. Then that then that other person's more about guiding how it should feel when it's read. Absolutely. And if they're trained actors, um, you I mean, yeah. you still need that director and you still need that producer. Absolutely. But you do get better at developing your own performance as you read the book. Some of my yeah. favorite audiobooks to listen to are are anything by Brandon Sanderson. I love Brandon Sanderson. Um, but like some of the ones that he has done, any female character is voiced by a female voice actress and then any male character is voiced by a male. Um, and then they they work through and they alternate and, and you're kind of you get a sense for who people are because they're doing voices and stuff and you get a sense for who they are yep. based on what you hear. You're like, oh, I know who that is before they before they, before they even narrate that yeah. part. Yeah. And I love that. I love yeah. that almost as much as I love dramatized readings where it's like listening to a radio show where there's sound effects and music and and you're, the, the, the Star Wars ones I I've given that. you are like that. Oh, yes. So I love there's, that. There's music. There's if a lightsaber gets ignited, you hear it. You hear the blast of fire. It's, it's like, oh, that. I love that. So I, I grew up listening to there was a, a neighbor of mine had a garage sale and they had cassette tapes of the original movies done out oh. that way. And oh, my God, I would just listen to them forever. And I grew up listening to like radio shows and stuff. And I, I just absolutely love it. Like you don't need you don't. The visuals are amazing. And I love things that are visual. But I have a soft spot for really well yeah. done audio. Yeah. Did you guys like um, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I've never, I really did, I've never but read I've never it. read it. No, <laughs> but never the, read the thing it. is, so they, I saw they the movie, did... but I haven't read that book. Yeah, so there's, I think there's been, um, there was a TV show, and there were the books, and there was the audio books, and then there was the Radio Four production as well, and they are all different. They are not the same material. They, they deli- almost deliberately, I think made it different the story different for each one and the gold that. standard was the radio for the radio for um audio production which was just brilliant oh, it was, it was just that then. yeah i think you'd i think that you would enjoy that very very much as a way to access it yeah that's awesome. add it to the list and, and actually, i love it when people can... do stuff different people really don't like that they're like well this isn't like the book or this isn't like the I actually like that. I, in fact, I like it. The more different it is, the more I like it because then it's yeah. more of that world. Yeah. Rather than me just reliving the same story, you can well, get. There, that's exactly more. why I wanted to listen to the to the Game of Thrones books, because there was there's so much stuff that from the series, so from the books that wasn't in the series that I don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's like even though I know the series, right. it's like I'm listening to a different story, because there's yeah there's just points that were never in the show. So I'm like, oh, this is like fresh again. Yeah. And I'm willing to bet without knowing, I'm willing to bet there are some characters that you get a completely different sense of that character as you go through too, who who they are and and think just by things that they do and stuff like that, that they just become almost different characters than yeah. what was portrayed. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. It's so cool. I love that stuff. <laughs> okay. What journey. That was yeah. a journey. journey we've been on today. We have. We have right. been right through the universe. We have. <laughs> right through the galaxy. Yeah. Right through the galaxy. Hitchhiking our way. way through the galaxy. I was I just looked at my clock hoping it was seven forty two, but it's not. It's fifty five, and that's not a meaningful number. So <laughs> not in hitchhikers <laughs> not, anyway. It's not. That's right. Never mind. That's right. 
never mind. The meaning of today is 7.55. That's mm -hmm. okay. 7.55. And starting your morning with horse stirrups. Yes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ken, are you, are you, we, we, are, we are committed to having you now. Every, every 10 episodes, it feels. And I like that. I love that. I like yeah. this. You are going to be. So, this is episode 50. 50. 50. So, can you, you believe that? 50. I can't believe I it. I can because I've heard them all. That's awesome. By the way, Which I love your. your I, I watched your video last week of your jujitsu thing, and I immediately messaged Sue and said, "No, was I speaking to you on the we phone?" We were already or talking. We were talking. And I was and like, you said, Ken's "Oh my video. god!" She goes, "No." I said, "Watch it. There's something in there," and you'll go, "Oh my god!" I, I flipped through immediately on silent. I was like, "Flip, flip, flip, flip." Oh my days! Nice. The journal one. was what in there, nice and I was like, "Yes, <laughs> yes," because it's an excellent journal. It is, isn't it? It has been so great to use. And honestly, it's been a big part of like I because of how you have it structured, it's been excellent for me to record the things that I'm working through in curriculum. Yeah. And then be able to go back and look like do a thing. I'm definitely a do a thing rather than plan a thing. Right. So I can yeah. do a thing and then record it and then look back and then plan how I could redo that or how I could build it into the curriculum or something like that. Yeah. Um it's it's easier for me to try something first and determine how I liked it and make notes about how I liked it. And the journal is structured in a great way for recording the classes and determining what parts of my concepts of curriculum are working and what parts aren't. And it's been excellent. It's been super excellent. As, you know, when I was doing the um the content for it and thinking about like the it thinking about it, I was doing it entirely from the perspective of a student. It didn't mm. at all occur to me that a, a teacher would use it to plan their classes. It just didn't. It's yeah, it's super helpful for it. Like yeah. you might not have intended it, but it works excellent. Yeah, I think Chris Hansen uses it the same way. What would you um what improvements would you make to it? Because I'm starting to think about um what how I would because I can think of a few things that I would probably change now. Yeah. Yeah. What would you change? You want mine first? Um, yeah, I would I open up the uh, notes section so that that was simply mm -hmm. the end of the page. That doesn't need to be a box, I think, for me. Um, I oh, would sure. bring, I would change the goal review so there were fewer pages, but more often, so that, mm -hmm. um, so that the big, because I put all the goal setting at the beginning, and I think what I would do is I would change that so you had still have several pages of that, but move them to more frequently through the book so it gives you more space to just refocus what you've done and um, reset because uh, using the book, I, I found it going on a bit too long. Um, and I would just move things around on the page a little bit more to create a little more space. Um, oh, sure. Th so those are some of the key things that that I found. Um, what about you, Ken? How would I you? Think space is probably the biggest one mm. for me. Um, and so to have, honestly, I would say instead, like you could make changes to the to the one you have, but to have another one that's actually just physically larger, um, especially as an instructor, to have like an instructor's version or something where it's physically a larger thing where you have more room to record. If you're recording an entire class and everything that you worked on and then wanting to have room for notes and stuff, uh, just having physically larger pages. I'm always torn between how portable something is and how useful it is when you use it. And so I would probably hate carrying it, but I would love using it. If that makes okay, sense. Okay. You sure. just give you've given me an idea for something something else. To be fair, really? Yes. Well, is that you, you, yeah, just a lesson planner mm -hmm. done in that style? Yeah. Yeah. I, and you know, and if you 
because for me, because of that, that's the majority of how I use it. Obviously, I was recording jujitsu notes and things like that. But because mm. the majority of how I use it is making decisions on how a class runs, um, you know, I might like extra room goes a long way because I might be maybe making notes on multiple students. And so suddenly there's you have lots of space needed because, well, what did you think about this particular student and this particular student, and this particular student? You start like really needing a lot of space. Um, but then you could go even so far as to have specifically, and how did you feel about it? Like, okay, that's how your class was structured. What would you change if you do this class again? And just having kind of cliffs notes for yourself of going, if I run this class again, I want to try doing it this way next time, or I want to try incorporating this, or this part worked really well. Uh, those okay. are the kind of notes that I, that I work on as a teacher. So, yeah, so you actually want a section for class feedback, and then um, mm -hmm. the notes is like my personal notes and um, future class notes. Yeah, I think, because cool. for me, everything's iterated, right? Like, I especially based on what we talked about earlier, as I'm writing this stuff down, I'm trying to look at how do I make this class happen again? If it's going to be something that I can pass to someone where they can work it, um, then I can't have only ever had that class happen one time in my life and or parts of that class. And so to be able to make notes of how would I make this a recurring thing, because truly I think that's a big part of curriculum that I don't do, is is have any kind of cyclical part of it where the curriculum loops back on itself consistently in any form of way. The material always loops back in some way and I always get it back around to things. But did I get back around to it in two weeks? Did I get back around it in two years? You know, I've literally had had people go, you know, I remember a drill like this and we haven't done it in three years. I'm like, that's a really great drill. I forgot I did that. <laughs> yeah. And and that's a thing I've done a lot because I like to work from a state of principles and concepts and um, what I'm learning to be kind of a constraints-led idea is very often I'll make drills. I don't specifically use the same drill all the time but mm. i'll make a drill based off of whatever just needs to happen what do i need to accomplish yeah in you and how what do i need to do to get you to do it without just explaining out for hours how how i would explain you to do it i just build a drill in a certain way um and that forces that to happen and so that drill might only exist that day because of that and that's one of the problems I have is because I build drills based on that exact day and that exact moment with those exact people, you may never see that drill again as a student who might need to teach for me at some point. Either you're good at doing that or you're going to struggle to go, well, crap, what? We don't have a single drill that we've done consistently all the time. You know, it's always different drills. It's always different stuff. Um, and I, I, think I need to solidify certain things into being more consistently done just for the sake of having that stability inside of the curriculum and still have the flexibility but still have some stability mm. Mm. so having notes of how would I reincorporate this uh, is a really good thing for me because I want to go how do I come back to this instead of just recording it and going well that happened okay cool. do you know what we're <laughs> going to do that we can we oh, can. We've, we've got this one. We've got a template. We've got um, a structure for how we, we put it together. We can do that. Oh, that's we awesome. We can go through and uh, we'll, send you, we'll send you something to see if it works in your head. Oh, yeah. I would love I've got to ideas yeah. already. Ideas yeah. about Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, let's do that's it. That's cool. We'll do it. We'll make another one. We'll make another we'll one. We've got one. 
got one done yeah. already. Just go nuts. Yeah. Let's do it. You guys are pros now. You just know what to do. Can, can we can we call it like the Ken Fu edition or something? Because it because it came from talking with you. We need <laughs> like some kind of. It's a big beard on it. It's gonna have a big beard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does. It does. It does. It does. It'll be the Ken Fu Ken Fu uh, teachers edition. There you go. Love that. Okay, that's amazing. So I'm I'm definitely <laughs> in for this. Yeah, we're gonna do that. Endor- uh, endorsed by Ken Fu. Yes, endorsements. Okay, so uh, then I have a request for something that I want you to include if you do it. Okay. Uh, specifically, so if it's for teachers, then have a space specifically for the concepts or principles that were trying to be expressed in that class. Because you always have what you do, Oh, right? that'll be there, for sure. But I think it's super important that it's like, yep. what was the actual like driving underneath? Um, that's how I arrange a lot of my stuff is that we might do a bunch of different things, but there was a core thread running through them that, that is there. And that's, and just having a place to just go, this is what we were trying to accomplish, especially because what I have found and Greg, you may have also, sometimes you do the same drill on different days to achieve different things. And so to go, well, why did we do that drill today? Well, today that drill was for footwork and the other day that drill was for this, um, you know, and going, what did I want to accomplish? Well, that determines what people expect to get out of it. Um, and, but looking back, going, why, why did I do that drill that day? <laughs> I don't remember. Mm. And, yeah. To the principles and concepts and how that loops through. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Cool. We'll All do right, that. We'll do it. We'll do It'll it. be the first oh, one to cool. get a copy. Oh, sweet. I love that. You get proof copies. You get proof copies. Yeah, Got to test go. it out. <sighs> Got to test yeah. it out. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Cool. Love it. Okay then. Shall we? So get shall we sleep. wrap this up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah let Ken get the I mean, I could go for three more hours, but your listeners yeah. would drop off like flies. So Oh yeah. I just want to do this more. I need to come to America and just sit around on your dojo floor and listen to you talk for a few That'd days. That'd be amazing. That'd be we okay. just, uh, We'll do that. We just made our door our floor a lot bigger. So we I just got all our new mats in. So cool. bring my sleeping uh, bag. Yeah, we actually so all of the mats showed up the other day. I'll have to send you pictures. We got all the mats in. Next step is to paint and stuff like that. But, um, oh, my gosh. So much more space. It's a totally different feeling. With the garage doors open the other day, natural light. Like, oh, it's just good. Oh, amazing. Good. Amazing. One day, yeah. we'll all come. We'll all come. Bring everyone. We'll all come. We'll just yeah. be a little I, British invasion of your little place. I've, I've thought about it. I'm like, I want to just go see those guys. So just, just go do it. Oh, you're, you're welcome. Welcome. Anytime. Anytime. And like I said, if you ever do, then we're just going to replace Joe with you and not tell <laughs> just anyone. Slip in, just not. Man, oh, he had the yeah. pose down perfect. It was so good in that picture. It was. Did you? Did <laughs> oh, you yeah. <laughs> with he the black gate. I was like, are you trying to be Ken? He was like, yes. Yes, I am. It gave me a moment. Did, did Greg tell you that? It gave me quite a no. moment. I was, I was facing the mirror. And Joe was just to one side of me. And so I actually looked up and forward and saw you in oh. a mirror <laughs> right behind me. And I had a, an actual moment of, <gasps> whoa, <laughs> Joe, <laughs> what happened? That's so funny. There was the first time I showed my wife a picture of, of uh, Joe and Greg at breakfast. She was like, when did you go have breakfast with Eric? And I'm like, neither of those people are, are, are like, <laughs> I'm not in that picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so that was funny. that was fantastic. And plus, I have this idea, like something I want to do is do I want to do Kenfu seminars, and yes. I want to do them yes. from the concept of where because I do karate, jujitsu, and eskrima, like I want to teach seminars where that there might be a concept to the seminar, but each of those arts are done. I love that. Beautiful. And so you get to yeah. get to play with all of the things. I think that'd be super fun. Yeah. Would be. Would be. Yeah. I would yeah, that would be cool. I would come. If you, put you need a black guitar, Sue. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Have yeah. You need a, a black guitar, Sue. I will That's get a, a Kabuto thing. Is That's it? a Kabuto thing. It is. Yeah. So it was because when you would work with weapons, you'd get your gi really dirty. So okay. they would wear, so when you see, like for us, wearing white pants with the black top was because of the weapons and going, it it was less obvious when your weapons were getting your gi top dirty. <sighs> okay. And so that's where, that. that's where those colors came from. I love, I, at least for I, us. I love, I often love the actual stories behind why things are done. There's no like mythical bullshit with it. It's like, yeah, it's <laughs> to hide the dirt. Bastard. Yeah, I didn't, I no, so like... have to wash it as often, so... Yeah. Just put a black one on. Yeah. <laughs> Except nice. somebody would tell you it's because I trained with weapons for so long that my gi turned black. Uh, so, oh, for goodness <laughs> sake. If you were doing any hard work at all, it would have fallen apart. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. Jog on. <laughs> I, I, I always tell people so when I when I am working on punches with people, I sometimes will talk about or show them my geese because they wear out uh in the armpit or right below, like on the ribs there. And I said, that's, you know, from keeping your elbows in tight, that's where my geese would always wear out and I'd go through and replace them because they would rip from, from that. I said, so I want you to wear out your gi by keeping your elbows in tight. Like I want you to work and keep tight. And the day you have to come to me and say, I need to get a new gi is the day I know that your punches are looking good. Nice. I, just, I like that. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's, yeah. Very good. that's very good. Yeah. You, you figure out what you do, right? Like. When you have something wear out or something, it, it'll tell you something if you look for it. I'd go, what? What did I do? Yeah. Which first, I was a naive kid when I first started, and I was just going through gi pants by bleaching them all the time, keeping them white oh. until they just didn't exist. And I was like, man, these things just don't last. And then someone was like, you know, you shouldn't bleach those all the time, right? I went, oh. These are just bad. Why do they? You know, you're just bad at laundry. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's interesting what you said about about wearing. I remember my my instructor when I first started. His belt uh, from Hikate would just be white. Oh, just right on that spot. Yeah, just right on that spot. The Hikate would pull back and just rub against the, against the belt. So he'd be oh, like, wow. that, "That's how I know my when I'm doing my kata, my hands are coming back to Hikate because it's just wearing out." That's the where belt. that's where the wear is. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I love stuff like that. Because I don't know, it's just it's just it's just a thing, right? Like, why are things this way? Well, because people were just doing stuff, and it became a thing. Yeah, yeah, love it. Awesome, awesome. Okay, that is. I think that's the perfect spot. We can all take those stories off with. Yes. Okay. That was uh, that was episode fifty, guys, with Ken Fu and Joe. Mm. Ken yes. Stuff. Thank you for joining us, Ken, as always. Joe needs to Thank be every so 10 much. too. I'm just saying. Yeah, or at least some sort of more frequent. Joe needs to be on the podcast more. Yeah, we'll get him on more. Okay. Yeah. This was super fun. And we got to hear someone get murdered today. 
We did. We did. And actually, it did go silent just after you said it it's all going to go so, silent. It go silent that'll, we... that'll have to be the, the, the title, like the subtitle will be Someone Gets Murdered in This One. Someone Gets Murdered. <laughs> that's, yes, that's the title. That's the title. Someone Gets Murdered in This One. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wait, what? Okay. All right. Um, I'm that's it that's down. Clickbait 101. Like, <laughs> someone Gets Murdered in This One. What? Nice. Really? Nice. Yeah. Was it Sue or okay. Brett? Who was it? Um, Ken killed both. <laughs> Ken kills everybody. Whoa. Yeah. That's <gasps> like the title. Da, da, like da. Or something. <laughs> Ken kills everyone. Ken That's kills right. everyone. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yeah, South Park episode. Naturally, I go straight into like puns, like trying to come up with good puns for that. I'm like, I don't, I don't have anything. <sighs> well, uh, one of the other titles that I did write down was a hammer, a handsaw, and a regular screwdriver. That's right. Because that was a really nice line that you said. So I thought that was also a really good title. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So we yeah. could have that. I bet it's kept... hard coming up with titles for this stuff. No, it's not. You just, Greg, Easy. hears them as people say it. Yeah. I normally, yeah, yeah. as I hear things, I'm like, that was good. And I think it would be hard to it. The more random, them, the better. Because there's just... always like really like multiple of them. So I think picking yeah. them would be hard. No, yeah. it's just, just pick one and stick with it. Okay. <laughs> The more okay. random we can get, the better. Because I, I don't know. I, for me, I just think of this, like if I'm listening to a podcast and there's a really random title, I'm like, I need to listen to that because that, I do I love know, that. I, I, I know what it, that means. It pops up and I'm like, what is this? Well, I got to go find out what that is. Yeah. Picking up Les and Ken, that got your attention, didn't it? It did. I was like, wait, what did I do? What have I done now? <laughs> just being awesome, Ken. Yes. <laughs> Impossible. Okay, guys. This is amazing. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Ken. We'll see you in another 10. See you in another 10. It's beautiful. Bye-bye. Have a nice one, Jay. Bye, everybody. See you guys later.